to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we're going to discuss three films from Kabir Khan that discuss global perspectives and reactions to terrorist attacks. First up, John Abraham plays a war journalist in post-Taliban Afghanistan in 2006's Kabul Express. Then John Abraham returns with Neil Nitin Mukesh and Katrina Kaif to play three friends whose lives are irrevocably changed by the 9-11 attacks and their aftermath in 2009's New York. And finally, 2015's Phantom, in which Saif Ali Khan single-handedly tracks down the terrorists responsible for the 2611 Mumbai attacks. Hey, everyone. This is a rather serious episode, Matt. Yeah, and we would be a little bit remiss if we didn't mention that we're recording on the day of an attack in Lahore Mm. in uh, Pakistan. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to pull up some info right now, but it looks like uh, some terrorists bombed a park for children in Lahore. Pretty awful. So our thoughts go out to all involved, and hopefully things get better at some point. (laughs) I mean, what can you say, honestly? Yeah, unfortunately, you know... News of terrorist attacks, um, I don't want to say has become common, um, but is not unfamiliar to us, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of having grown up in a very post-9-11 world. And it's unsurprising that filmmakers um, have made movies about how we process these global acts that, you know, these global terrorist acts that I think really, you know, affect us all around the world. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, Kabir Khan is a really interesting filmmaker from mm-hmm. that perspective because uh, to this date we've seen all of his movies now. Yes. We, t- we spoke about one in the last episode, Bajani Bajan, and we've also seen uh, Ek the Tiger. But in every single one of those, there's a confrontation or at least uh, interactions between the Muslim world and either Hindi people or Christian people. Um, and just how... It's not always about religion, though. It's also about culture, as we see in New York. Exactly. And it's um, through, what, five movies, I guess, we've gotten a fair amount of different interpretations and different sorts of movies just with this core interaction at its center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we don't know much about Kabir Khan, even though he is uh, has directed one of the most successful Bollywood films of all time, Bajrani mm-hmm. Bajan. Um, Ek the Tiger. yeah, and Ek the Tiger... Also very In the top 15, if I remember right. It Mm -hmm. did really well. Um, But, you know, kind of of the things that we do know, he started his career as a documentarian uh, working for Discovery before he moved on to become a commercial filmmaker. And you can see how those experiences has influenced his perspective that he brings in filmmaking, as well as, I think, like a lot of location shooting. Yeah. um, I would definitely think... In Kabul Express, in particular, it has a bit of a student film feel with uh, everything being on location, I think. I don't think there's any interiors to speak of Mm -hmm. at all. And, yeah, it's very, very sharply focused location shooting, finding really interesting places to work. But we should probably get into it. Yeah, I'm curious um, what you think of... You know, we, we've seen all of his films, so Kabul Express, New York, and Phantom, which we are discussing today, as well as Bajrani Bajan and Ek the Tiger. Um, Ek the Tiger still being, I think, one of my all-time favorite Hindi films. 
And I'm curious over the course of those five films, what what themes and what perspectives have you gleaned from Khan's work? Well, like I said before, he is looking at this uh, probably the foremost uh, concern of our times, I guess you'd say, the interaction between uh, Islam and other religions in other countries. Mm -hmm. And he's going about it in really interesting ways. Kabul Express has a sort of mash gallows humor look at post-Taliban Afghanistan Mm -hmm. with like kind of a heartwarming message at the interior while New York is more of a uh, enemy of the state modern you know thriller but from the perspective of someone who has been radicalized Mm -hmm. Um, Phantom completely the other direction could be a Michael Bay movie it's about one man personally tracking down and murdering all the people who attacked India. It's like uh, uh, closer to Munich or mm-hmm. um, something like that. Ek the Tiger is what I would consider more of a classic masala fun Bollywood movie, but it's a, it's against with the, uh, the Indian spy agency and the Pakistani spy agency battling each other and falling in love with each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where uh, Bajani Bajan is a completely humanist, Capra-esque, um, one guy triumphing over these larger political and religious forces that uh, have entrapped him to just do a good deed. So it's he does have a lot of range, but he is working in the same wheelhouse thematically every single movie. Yeah, and it always he always seems to focus on kind of um, the human scale story of people wrapped up in these larger political conflicts that are beyond their control, Mm -hmm. um, which I find really interesting because he's giving, you know, a voice and a face to people who are generally thought of as potentially like statistics or generally, you know, Mm -hmm. generally their stories aren't being told Mm -hmm. and he's, you know, showing how... they're just the bad guys in some other movie. They're just the bad guys or, or, or they're just kind of faceless good guys. You know, he, he really kind of, you know, wants to, to bring things back to a human scale and, you know, how he shows that in these environments, individuals can overcome their prejudices in ways that larger groups can't Mm -hmm. when faced with issues like, you know, hatred and terrorism and misunderstanding. It's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that human scale that on the level of individuals where people can connect. But if you zoom out larger and and look at, you know, again, how these things factor on a global political scale, we can't. It becomes so much more black and white and he shows us how things are gray. Um, I yeah, find there's shades of gray in every movie. It's... Yeah. Apart from Phantom, I'd say... Um, which is a bit more on the nose. Yeah, yeah. And is his most recent movie. He Phantom is, puzzles me. He is moving away from subtlety, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. with Phantom and Bajani Bajan, which is a you know crowd pleaser, but without any real villains, but it is also just one uniquely good person trying to do a good thing. Mm-hmm. I find it really interesting that, you know, a <clears throat> director who's become as commercial as Kabir Khan has become, has this thread through his film, mm-hmm. his films. Like, I think a really kind of difficult thread. Like, this is not 
easy subject matter. This is really complicated. And, and I appreciate that, you know, he continues to make these big budget, you know, crowd pleasing movies full of stars, but has maintained a lot of these issues throughout his work. Yeah. I guess in all of his, uh, Bollywood films, we haven't seen any of his documentaries, but he is working with pretty big male stars and Decently big female stars as well. He's gotten the best performances of Katrina Cape I've ever seen. Yeah, and <laughs> his movies are forever jumping across borders and security and dealing with political um, separations that normal people, once you get them in a room together, they generally get along. But um, they're being driven by either ideology, religion, mm-hmm. their job, um, but always trying to learn about the other. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us to Kabul Express, his first film from 2006. Matt, why don't you set up this movie for us? Since I hate giving synopsis. Sure. Well, it stars uh, John Abraham as Suhel Khan, Arshad Wasi as Jai Kapoor, a uh, you know hero's name in Bollywood movies <laughs> if there ever there was one, Salam Shaheed as Imran Khan Afridi, Hanif Hungam as... Kyber and Linda Arsenio as Jessica Beckham. This is supposedly based on some of his experiences when he was in Afghanistan as a photojournalist. And it, in the movie, John Abraham and Arshad Wasi are two journalists from a Indian TV channel who have gone into Afghanistan right after the war w- with the Americans began. So it's right after the Taliban have been ousted from power and are being hunted down by the Mujahideen, um, new government, new army, those guys. And they go into Afghanistan not really knowing what they're after. They they want to meet a Taliban fighter who's on the run. And uh, they've you know got some bribes in. They've made, a f- made friends with uh, uh, Khyber, who's a driver and a fixer. He speaks uh, uh, the Afghani language. They don't. And... Um, the Afghan language. Afghan I language, yeah. recently saw yeah. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, which is an apt film to bring up in, a, in this conversation, um, as it's also about a journalist mm-hmm. in Kabul. And in that film, I learned that Afghan refers to the uh, people and things from Afghanistan, and Afghani refers to the currency, refers to the money. So, so the Khyber, who drives the titular Kabul Express can speak Afghan because he's from Afghanistan and he is their fixer, their intermediary as they go through the landscape, um, which is blasted to hell, deserts, um, um, you know, burned up cars, burned up tanks. After 23 years of warfare, um, there's not a lot left. And he's, uh, Khyber is a very staunch uh, anti-Taliban person who hates everything they've done to his country, but he himself fought the Russians back in the day. Um, They're probably speaking um, Dari, which is one of the uh, two official languages of Afghanistan. Yeah, so there's two sets of subtitles if you're non-Hindi speaking like us, because when John Abraham and and, uh, Arshad Wasi are talking, there's Hindi subtitles, and when Khyber and other Afghans are talking, there's subtitles for them too. Subtitles in English, which I found interesting. Um, I guess maybe there might have been Hindi subtitles depending on where it was released mm-hmm. or other languages, but there's often two sets of subtitles you read. Uh, so these two journalists meet up with an American journalist who is working for Reuters, and they also come in contact with a 
ex-Taliban fighter who essentially kidnaps them and says, I have to get to Pakistan right away. And, sh- uh, you know, takes over there, the Kabul Express car, and makes them drive all the way to the border. Mm-hmm. Um, the film is very, uh, like I said, location-driven. Um, I don't think there's an interior shot in the movie. There's there's kind of a restaurant that they go to, but it's... It's outside. It's still outside because at one point uh, a bunch of the Mujahideen guys learn that a Taliban fortress has been taken out and they get really happy and shoot their guns in the air. <laughs> um, you also get the perspective of some uh, Pakistani soldiers on the border who uh, it, we find out um, Pakistanis have been embedded with the Taliban army and are now trying to leave as the Americans tighten the noose around them. But uh, the official... Uh, Pakistani government um, order is that there are no Pakistanis left in Afghanistan. There's no fighters left, so if anyone comes to the border, shoot them because they're just an Af- Afghan. They're not uh, Pakistani. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very dangerous location, but it's kind of funny. There's some gallows yeah. humor. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Khan really kind of injects uh, almost a sense of like liveliness into this film, which has kind of, you know, incredibly huge personal stakes. You know, they they really do feel throughout this film, uh, our two journalists, that their life is on the line, them and their driver and their American companion. Um, and yet at the same time, it doesn't feel like the stakes are that high. Again, I think because it really focuses on these five characters within the middle of this zone and so you do yeah, it's a road do, trip it's a road it trip it is a road movie. trip yeah so yeah. you do kind of get the sense of of just kind of being able to relax and it's it does feel very lived in there's a mm-hmm. uh there's a scam that one village does where they leave their donkey sitting in the middle of the road and they've actually trained him to walk in front of cars and if a car hits the donkey, the whole village will run out and say, oh, this donkey is very expensive. This donkey went to school. He's a very fancy donkey. We need some money because you killed our best donkey. And uh, luckily, they've got Kyber along who's been driving down these roads, and he knows all the scams. But uh, like, there is little moments of levity that they seem like a legit thing that might have happened. Maybe Kabir Khan had that situation happen to him because that's... Yeah. That's just a funny bit. Yeah, this film was shot on location in Afghanistan with extensive security. And that gives the overall film, like, such a texture and such a level of authenticity where you feel, you know, you know you're in the middle of the desert with these characters. And, you know, you really feel like these experiences, as absurd as some of them are, are lived in. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, fictionalized, obviously, but it does have kind of this this genuine sense about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes through partly because there are humorous moments. If you did find yourself in this kind of situation, you probably would, you know, laugh at the absurdity of it all. We, you spoke about Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, mm-hmm. which is about an American female journalist. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's interesting to see uh, Jessica, the Linda Arsenio as Jessica Beckham. Mm-hmm. They they talk about you know football with her. They ask if she knows how to play soccer, um, and she's very brazen. Uh, she wears the uh, the uh, hijab, but not willingly. Mm. And she, you know, swears 
mm-hmm. gets in trouble with people. And I haven't seen more uses of the word fuck in a Hindi film since Gangs of Wasipur. Well, there goes our <laughs> clean rating for this one. But yes, that's true. This this does have language that would befit a war zone as well. Mm-hmm. It's um, I wouldn't call it a depressing movie. Mm-mm. It's it's actually pretty fun. Yeah. But it does have the sense of realism that I guess comes from having been there. Yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, it's probably my favorite of the three that we're going to discuss today. Me too. Because I really felt like the direction that the film went was a really worthwhile one. I don't want to give anything away, but it has, you know, those touches of coming to, of, of starting in a place of misunderstanding and miscommunication and coming to a place of understanding and acceptance mm-hmm. and, and, and just humanist, humanism. And it, it doesn't dwell on depressing subject matter no. like how half of all the women in Afghanistan are widows and they're begging on the streets. This is, you know, it's a setup to more story. And but it each, each character has an interesting interaction with every other character. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Jessica Beckham and Kyra the driver don't have really much chemistry, but every other uh, duo has something that they're bouncing off each mm-hmm. other with, which just really, really good character work. But it also doesn't shy away from, you know, the more depressing elements of this film's setting. There's a really, yeah, right at the beginning, um, John Abraham, pretty buff guy, is doing push-ups, and this uh, this Afghan kid is looking at him and laughing, and he says, oh, you want to work out with me? And then the kid stands up, and it turns out that he's only got one leg. He's, you know, lost it in a bomb somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's that mix of comedy and tragedy that really works for the film. Yeah, there's also early on a scene where they're, like, looking for a, for a car that's going to pick them up and, and take them into Kabul, and then a tank pulls up. Yeah. <laughs> a particularly friendly Mujahideen soldier <laughs> guy who guards the border is like, oh, you want to go to Kabul? Yeah, we can just hop in my tank and go there. Yeah. We should also say this film does open with footage of the 9-11 attacks in New York. Yeah, which and, is a theme you're going to come back to in New York. Yeah, and Kabir Khan, I think, does want to kind of explicitly link post-Taliban Afghanistan, you know, to the U.S.'s reaction to those attacks and talk about how, like, that is the catalyst for what has changed the world mm-hmm. and what has given rise to a story like this. Like, I wouldn't say that it, it dwells too much on 9-11 in the way that we will see with New York, but it does, I think it is interesting that it does set that up as the instigator. It also... Which obviously we, we do recognize, yeah. but like to put it... I mean, to open your film with an 9-11 attack, well, I do find a really kind of bold yeah. statement. That footage is not easy for everyone to watch. And Canada, uh, especially, was in Afghanistan for almost 10 years yeah. in their you know military uh, adventurism. No. Peacekeeping? No. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Amer- uh, America and Canada were at war in Afghanistan, and it is... It is uh, easy to forget what it was like right at the beginning. Um, and this, this film especially talks about the Pakistani experience mm-hmm. in Afghanistan in a way I've never seen in a movie before. Yeah. That I was see. really interesting in how, you know, the, the Pakistani army was not only funding the Taliban, but also sending personnel to mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, that's not something you hear about all the time. Yeah. I've seen a lot of films um, that, that deal with these wars, um, you know, so I think of um, Hyena Road, the recent film from Paul Gross, um, as well as some 
other films set again in in, in the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. Generation Kill mm-hmm. is another example. Um, and they're always from an American or Canadian perspective. Yeah. This is the first time... I have seen one from a more Eastern perspective. That's not to say it's the only one. I don't know. But that was really refreshing to me. And I really appreciated that aspect of the film. You know, you're following two Indian guys, uh, but you're also getting an understanding of the American perspective because you have your American journalist here. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, the Pakistani well, experience. I- and I really, that that melding of of cultures, I think, is really important to the film. Well, and um, being as how these are two Indian journalists, there isn't an outright hostility right away. Uh, Mm -hmm. The American woman faces some uphill battles because she's American. And, uh, for example, at one point, our our Taliban refugee, I guess you could call him, uh, they find a convoy that was transporting uh, Pepsi. And he makes the very astute point that uh, Americans come to your country, they steal all the oil, and then they just plug in fountains of Pepsi everywhere. It's all about money. And the the Indian journalists, they don't really know what to think about them. They're just kind of like, oh, yeah, you're, you're the country not too far away. Let's, you know, we'll help you out with your story, which is very, very interesting to look at that way. Um, mm-hmm. They are not given full access, but they're also not real. They're just tolerated. It's just, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. These guys aren't too different from us. Um, speaking of the Coke versus Pepsi scene in the film where uh, they do first argue about whether or not it's Coke or Pepsi mm-hmm. based on how it tastes, I really liked how um, a lot of these relationships were forged on the basis of popular culture. Mm-hmm. So early on in the film when our two journalists are explaining that they're Indian um, an Afghan says back to them, oh, I'm a Tabacha. Yeah. Well, it's the guy with the tank. <laughs> yeah. He likes all the, all the, uh, film stars, yeah. but only the men. And then John Abraham kind of makes the joke like, oh yeah, they're, they're really just into the men here. They don't really care about, uh, female stars. But later on the Taliban guy, he likes major addiction. Yeah. So, and then they have, you know, a funny argument over who has a better cricket player. Yeah. Um, and you know, I like this idea that pop culture is one of the things that can kind of transcend these built-in prejudices that we have, Um, that kind of there is something higher that we can all appreciate, and that's movies and soda, drinks, and sports. (laughs) Although this movie was banned in Afghanistan for its portrayal of the uh, Hazara, who are Shia, and They're one of the largest minorities in Afghanistan. Yeah, and the glimpse we see of the Hazar in this movie is that they're basically brigands, they're Dakowitz, just robbing people. Yeah. And, I mean, for the purposes of the movie, it wouldn't really make sense to characterize those guys, but it didn't really come off as racist. I mean, saying that they're Hazar, maybe that's just like saying, oh, they're, they're gypsies, they'll rob you. Maybe that's what it was getting at. But it, it didn't really... They didn't seem like uh, stereotypes or anything. They, mm-hmm. Much like everyone in Afghanistan, they were just guys walking around holding guns. They were as dangerous as everyone else. Well, I mean, they do have lines about them being kind of like awful bandits who are potentially more dangerous than even the Taliban. Like, I mean, I can see from my perspective, you know, if my cultural group yeah. is really shown in cinema, and to be perfectly honest, Canadians are <laughs> not shown in cinema that often. Yeah. Um you know, and then we were only portrayed in really kind of negative and nasty stereotype light. I I would probably be upset too. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I except that. I'm Canadian, so yeah. I would probably just like be a big pushover and apologize for it. <laughs> yeah, I get that, and you know, you don't want to stereotype the Hazara people as just being brigands. But also, I mean, I think this movie portrays the people of Af- Afghanistan in a nuanced light. Uh, you have more reason behind why someone would join the Taliban. This movie actually does something I would almost think was impossible and makes you uh, sympathize with someone who is a Taliban. Yeah. Like, that's that's insane to me, that this movie just kind of not gets you on his side, but you understand where he's coming from, and you do feel for him at certain points in the movie, which, going in, I had no idea that that was going to happen. And so. that's very bold. Yeah. Like, I, I really think that Kabir Khan is a very kind of you know, gutsy filmmaker who's willing to take on some very difficult subject matter and yet still make a very commercial film. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably his least commercial film, though it was produced and distributed by Yash Raj, probably one of the most commercial distributors in Bollywood. Yeah, I said earlier it's um, got a student film aspect, and it's all location shooting, conversations, long driving scenes. There's not a lot of um, action in the same way you'll see in... Uh, New York, or especially Phantom, it's it's much more of a small scale affair, character focused, mm-hmm. um, no car chases or anything. And, and I everyone's think that, really good in this too. Yeah, that's really to the film's credit. Is it's just perfectly cast. The characters are well rounded, and the locations are great. So it's got basically everything you'd want mm-hmm. from a movie. Like and this. it was only ninety nine cents to rent on iTunes. Always, always appreciate that. <laughs> Yes, I think that uh, brings us to Interval, Matt. Yeah, we're going to play a song from a movie we're going to talk about a little bit later on here from mm-hmm. Phantom. What's it called? It's called Afghan Jalebi Ya Baba. Um, there's like three different versions of this song on the soundtrack, and the version we've chosen is the Ya Baba version. Yeah, there aren't a lot of songs in Phantom, so it makes sense that they do some remixes. Yeah, there's not a lot of songs in all three of these films, um, but this one sticks out to us the most. It does have an actual kind of sequence in Phantom where people are celebrating and, and yeah. there's a bit of dancing. So it's the closest thing in all three of these films that we get to a dance sequence. Yeah. Eck the Tiger is a classic Bollywood film but that though. they Yeah. He's got good dance sequences throughout. But uh, enjoy the song and we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> So we're going to get to Phantom in a moment here, but next up on our docket is New York, Mm -hmm. which also features John Abraham. And do you want to take everyone through this one? Sure. So this film stars Neil Natin Mukesh as Omar. Neil Natin Mukesh, who we talked about in our previous episode in Prem Ratan Dan Bahio. Yes, the Neil Natin Mukesh who thought he was going to be cast in Game of Thrones. The Neil Natin Mukesh, <laughs> who I'm now considering the Paul Walker of Bollywood. The he, Paul Walker, yeah. He kind of looks like him. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Neil Natin Mukesh stars as Omar, and he is uh, essentially a non resident Indian. He hails from India and he moved to the States to go to uh, New York State University. New York State University. 
the university that looks super fake. <laughs> There he met uh, Samir and Maya, who became his best friends. But after the 9-11 attacks, he drifted apart from the two of them. Samir played by John Abraham. John Abraham and, and Maya played by Katrina Cape. Yeah. The main storyline of the film picks up uh, about five years later. 2008 or so? Yeah, 2008 or so. When the movie came out, yeah. Yeah, so a little more than five, more than you know, six or seven years later. Um, and Omar has been picked up by Roshan, an FBI agent played by Irfan Khan, who is convinced that Samir is going to commit a big terrorist attack in New York. Mm -hmm. And so he essentially blackmails Omar by putting guns and explosives in his taxi cab. Yeah, they plant evidence on him. Yeah, to become a agent who goes undercover and infiltrates Samir's splinter cell. Mm-hmm. Splinter cell, is that the right word? Sleeper cell. Sleeper cell, excuse me. Sleeper cell. Um, and there... His supposed sleeper cell. We don't know until... We don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to give too much of this film away. I think we should talk about <laughs> some John Abraham stuff, though, later. Yeah. So, yeah. John Abraham is the head of a sleeper cell. Yeah. And, and Omar does successfully infiltrate the cell and learns of how... Abraham was detained post 9-11 when many, many other mm-hmm. um, Americans and non-Americans... Young Muslim males, basically. Exactly. Um, were detained without any proof mm-hmm. and were sometimes tortured. And, and Abraham's uh, Sam was tortured and he has continued to suffer um, you know, depression and post-traumatic stress from this and has fueled that into a desire to fight back mm-hmm. and has essentially joined a terrorist group and now has his own sleeper cell that they are planning a terrorist attack. Yeah. Um, this film was shot on location in the U.S. And from what I understand, these um, scenes of Abraham being tortured were shot in a prison. I can't quite tell based on um, what I read if it was Guantanamo or well, not. The Wikipedia article says that they did get to shoot in Guantanamo. Yeah. But there really isn't any, you know, there's no pictures of the signs. And if I remember right, doesn't Ek the Tiger end in Guantanamo Bay? I don't think so. It ends with them on the run. Which one am I thinking of? I think there's a Salman Khan movie where he ends up. At the door of Guantanamo Bay. Maybe not. Let me think about that for a bit. Okay. But... It's not ringing any bells to me. If if they did shoot this last part in Cuba, you can't really tell. Yeah, I... It could be any... I'm not sure. Dingy. There's a Michael Bay film that goes to Guantanamo, Bad Boys 2. Oh, right. Bad Boys 2. <laughs> Never mind. I had Bad Boys 2 and Eck the Tiger confused. Okay. That's fair. Both sure. excellent films. Uh, sure. Yeah. I'll give you Eck the Tiger. Um, anyway, so New York is very much about the immigrant experience in New York post just the Muslim 9/11. person experience because yeah. Sam and Maya have been there almost their entire lives. And there's nothing... There's nothing kind of overly stated in their characterization that they are Muslim. Like, we know from their names, we know from... At one point, because John Abraham says, you know, that the only thing that that all of these fellow prisoners had in common when he was detained was because they were, because of their religion. Yeah. And so I like how this film doesn't portray 
Sam as a Muslim extremist. It portrays Sam as someone who was deeply hurt by the American government. More than that. I mean, it explicitly says that being tortured by the American government led to his becoming radicalized. Mm -hmm. Not even radicalized, just looking to get dignity back. It's, yeah. it's very much concerned with the torture done to his body and how... This and the psychological torture. Well, it essentially divorced his mind from reality mm -hmm. and how the only thing he could think of to, you know, find something to do in this world is to fight back. And I'm trying to think of many other movies that explicitly state that terrorism is caused by the reaction to terrorism. Irfan Khan later on talks about how, um, you know, Neil Matin Mukesh is saying, you know, he was driven insane by the torture and it's your guys' fault. And uh, Roshan, played by Irfan Khan, says, exactly, he's insane. We must stop him. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Roshan himself, also Muslim, and is completely bought into the, the American dream and thinking, you know, here I can make a difference and here... It doesn't matter what the color of my skin is or the well, my religion, but it actually kind of does. It, yeah. it, unless you work for the FBI, it, it feels like you could have been you know picked up and tortured right away. So Roshan is safe, and his um, his ancestry, his his South Indianness, um, gives him kind of an upper hand within the FBI in dealing with these matters you know he explicitly yeah. says that you need him because he is south indian or can, south asian and he me. can speak you know other languages that uh, the american fbi guys can't so mm -hmm. that, that's a recurring thread too is that his boss is just wondering what the hell everyone's talking about all the time and he does criticize his boss for not taking a greater interest in um his as an individual and his cultural background but roshan's kind of deluded though like yeah the it's 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 explicitly stated about as clearly as you can that Samir was just a regular guy who was turned to this by the American government. Mm -hmm. And Roshan, if he had been in similar situation, maybe it would have happened to him. But he's just can't brook the uh, thought in his head. We also get Nawazuddin Siddiqui as uh, Zilgai, a another guy who was picked up in the post nine eleven uh, Patriot Act roundup and was also tortured. And was fractured even more mentally than Samir was. Um, it, Katrina Kaif, after school, she's grown up to be a lawyer who takes victim statements from men who were tortured by the government and tries to assist in their appeals. Um, and, yeah, Siddiqui is in really bad shape in this movie. He does a great job acting. Yeah. But his character is deeply, deeply broken. Yeah, Zilgai is the character here that I feel the most... Four, and I think his his arc to me rang the truest. Yeah. Of 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 feeling like that that is how an individual would react in this kind of situation. Someone who doesn't understand English that well doesn't really know why he was picked up. He's just a normal guy, driven mad by circumstances. Fortunately, I mean, I didn't love Neil Newton McKesh in this movie. I didn't love no. Katrina Cave. The two. Leads John Abraham's great. John Abraham is great, as is Irfan Khan. I mean, yeah. Irfan Khan, like he he brings depth to that character that I'm not even entirely sure was on the page. Yeah, it's I think him rationalizing why the FBI is going after people who 
are one step removed from himself mm-hmm. is an extra level of pathos that we get for Irfan's character. But Neil Nitin Nitin Mukesh, eh, he's okay. <laughs> um, he kind of came off a little bit whiny to me. Um, he is, you know, given a pretty tough uh, role. But Katrina Cave, for example, has to be the pure virginal woman who uh, every man in the movie falls in love with and doesn't really have much of a character of her own. She's just the nice person who, uh, you know, her innocence is what everyone's fighting for, etc. Yeah, I kept think, wait, thinking and waiting for the twist because you kind of knew there was a twist because, you know, in order for the film to work, someone's got to be in the sleeper cell. Like, there has to actually be some risk, some danger. And I kept waiting for the twist that it was Katrina Cave's character, Maya, who was the head of this sleeper cell, and John Abraham, her husband, Sam, doesn't know anything about it. And instead, they play with the obvious, and, you know, like John Abraham, who is this big kind of, like, you know, hulking man. Uh, Not quite hulking as, like, Salman Khan, but, like... He's pretty beefy. He's he's pretty beefy here. He's he's a lot skinnier in uh, Kabul Express, but here he, like... He had longer hair in that movie, too. Yeah. His hair's much better in uh, New York. Here he's kind of bulked up and, you know, clearly is, like, the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so I thought very, they were going to go... It's all very obvious. Yeah, and I thought they were going to go with the unobvious choice. I thought it was going to be that actually Maya was the head of this sleeper's hell and her husband doesn't know anything about it and she's been so hurt and moved by taking all these victim statements and by what happened to her husband that she's decided to act um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that, like in my mind, that would have made a more clever, more interesting film. Yeah, you, you can't write the movie afterwards, though. Is the problem? I yeah. mean, John Abraham does a really good job of showing how he became radicalized and how his life was irrevocably changed by mm-hmm. an extraordinary rendition by the American government. And, and I did think it was really bold to show those torture sequences to the extent that they do. You know, you, yeah. you hear them described before the film actually shows them to you, and it is horrific, and it is upsetting, and it is, you know, you really you really become enraged. Yeah, it's it. this comes up in Phantom, too. In Phantom, it's more of a uh, matter of fact. Like, oh, we got some info out of him. What'd you do? Well, we hang him upside down and beat him with sticks, and you see that for five mm-hmm. seconds. But in this one, you do see... The psychological torture inflicted on them, especially on Siddiqui, who goes crazy. Uh, they pee on his head, and he has to wear a bag on his head, and they leave well, him all, des- there all day. He describes everything that happens to him, and then later when you see it, it's with uh, John Abraham's Sam. Yeah. Um, who, again, like, is this... No, he's also a part... He also gets well, he watches. He ways. watches that happen, though. And it is, yeah. a, it is a strong aspect of the film that we have Siddiqui describing to the audience essentially some of the things that were done to him and then we get to see it ourselves so and it's a great monologue and Siddiqui really knocks out of the park Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I I think you really feel for these men and I do think that you know the subject matter here is really bold and really interesting I just wish that the film could have gone to some more interesting places like it does like there's a there's a big chunk of this film that's really just like this college coming of age story yeah um where i'm I'm happy there wasn't that much of that 
Yeah, yeah. There's actually a lot less of it than I was expecting, especially because like one of the film posters has them all like walking on campus towards the camera, and Johnny mm-hmm. Graham's wearing like some sort of pink polo, and Katrina Cave's got like a cute little skirt on, and yeah, and the, that poster is very misleading. <laughs> it is very misleading. It's not like. I mean, these three friends do form the basis for for the narrative, but it's not necessarily about like their fun friendship. It's it's a lot more complicated than that. I just I kind of felt like trying to mix in some of those kind of more sweeter and you know cliched emotional notes with this larger um, terrorism discussion didn't always work it, it, it kind yeah. of, the sweet the sweeter stuff felt a little false to me well you also have a child actor involved you have samir and he's great he's okay he's, great. he's about as good as a child actor gets he's not as good as say the girl in by johnny by yeah. or uh the younger version of uh oh what's her name in black um rani mukherjee yeah the younger version of rani mukherjee in black she he, he's okay um yeah, I think between this movie and um, Vishaj Bhardwal's uh, Hater, we've gotten some really interesting imagery, which acts as a kind of a counterpoint to something like the American film Zero Dark Thirty, mm. where I feel like you're kind of supposed to revel in torture in uh, Zero Dark Thirty. There was that whole debate over, you know, should we be showing torture to this extent in a movie? And in these two movies... It's showing it as well, but it's definitely on the side of the tortured, mm-hmm. whereas Zero Dark Thirty, you're most likely on the side of the torturer, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, this It's film, pretty unequivocal on that front. This film is very much, you know, informed by wanting to discuss the injustice um, that happened to a lot of these Muslim men um, and, and other people as well mm-hmm. um, who were detained post 9-11 and, and really... You know, wants to talk about the dangers of of, of those actions. You know, what mm-hmm. they have bred people who are now mentally disturbed, and you know, potentially can become your enemy. You create your enemies. I mean, that's mm-hmm. ultimately what this film is saying: is that the U.S. has created their own enemies. Which... And you know, in a kind of a clever way, that calls back to Cabell Express, where they have an argument over, well, you were getting paid by the Americans first when you were fighting the Russians. We got paid by the Pakistanis, it, it is saying that a lot of these uh, extremist actions are state-sanctioned by bigger places, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that cheerful note, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Phantom, which is oh, by far the least, uh, the least subtle of these movies. And had you told me it was a different director, I would have totally believed you. Yeah, Phantom. I was really looking forward to Phantom um, because I really loved Tech the Tiger, Bajrani Pashan, and I really thought that, like, you know, Kabir Khan was this interesting voice in Which he Bollywood. Is. He and is, it's not that he isn't. Phantom came out months after Bajrani Pashan, and it really, really disappointed me. I had a really hard time swallowing this film, and this film actually makes me very, very mad. I, I mean, I, I think I liked it better than you, but let's talk about it. So, Phantom... Uh, came out last year, 2015, same year as Bajani Bajan, and pre- presents a much different view on uh, Pakistan-India relations. Yes. Uh, it stars Saif Ali Khan as Daniel Khan, and Katrina Kaif as Nawaz Mystery. Uh, Katrina Kaif, 
who was also in New York and is also an act the tiger in that one she plays a uh, ISI Pakistani secret agent woman and this one she's a sort of uh, mercenary uh, she works with an organization that appears to be called like a Doctors Without Borders but is actually called Darkwater and it's pretty un- unambiguous as to what they're up to but uh, uh, Daniel Khan is brought out of retirement in a very solid snake Rambo type fashion yeah he's a disgraced um member of the Indian army yeah. and Ra comes knocking on his door and gives him the opportunity to essentially take on this super secret mission yeah. where he goes and assassinates those responsible for the 2611 Mumbai bombings. Yeah. Ra is basically the Indian CIA. Mm-hmm. So this movie is a revenge fantasy because yeah. to our knowledge, these men have not been, personally assassinated by Saifal Khan, to be sure. No, many of them are still alive. But it it is very interesting in that it depicts historical personages who are despised by an entire country and shows their murder at the hands of a altruistic yet, you know, anti-hero type guy. He's not even an anti-hero. His, his reason for getting drummed out of the army was pretty bullshit, actually. Yeah. He, he seems like an awesome guy all around who's sent on an impossible mission to track down these terrorist leaders and kill them. Yeah, patriotism in this film is very different than I think we've, I've seen in any other Kabir Khan films. You know, mm-hmm. here this very much is about this revenge fantasy of India tracking down and assassinating those responsible for... Um, this injustice. Well, the the thing about this movie is that they are completely right in saying that America was able to hop across borders and go into Pakistan and go everywhere they wanted to kill Osama bin Laden. India is almost a same-level world superpower. It's certainly economically catching up. Population-wise, is huge. And I could understand why that country wants to find these guys. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, I I don't know what to think, honestly. I I am I feel like this film sides with anger and revenge and an eye for an eye. And I'm personally uncomfortable with that because I think these things are more complicated. That is not me saying that these men shouldn't be brought to justice because they should. Um, but I. But whose brand of justice should it be? What? Well, it should be in the court of law. It should be just justice. It should not be, you know, a one-man secret mission to assassinate. Yeah. These well, men. You know, the I men have is, a really. One of the men is in a Chicago prison already. Yeah. And he, we couldn't really figure out why he hasn't been extradited to India. But he has, um, since this film came out, faced. Um, trial in India via like satellite by Skype. He did not actually get Yeah, maybe they were just India. wondering if there was possibility of his plane he was on getting attacked or something. Yeah. And they use his real name. Some of the other um, conspirators, they, they come up with, you know, thinly veiled pseudonyms that are very obvious who they are. Um, but some of them, they do use their real names, which again, I find very it, That doesn't happen troubling. that often. The, this is a stupid example, but the closest I could think of is uh, um, Team America World Police, oh, okay. which featured Osama bin Laden and um, the North Korean dictator. 
uh, Kim Jong-il. Yeah. And while that's done for parody, they're also being depicted as, here's the, you know, terrorist king. Here's a guy who runs an insane kingdom. Whereas in this one, we have, albeit a bit more nuanced, but here's a man who's in jail for planning the bombing of the Raj Hotel, which for our listeners who aren't sure what the bombing was, um, young men were sent into India and they shot up a hotel and blew it up. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the crown jewels of Mumbai. It's very popular. You see it in a lot of other movies as a popular location. Uh, but there's a man in Chicago prison who was part of the planning. There is a sort of arms dealer type guy who they tracked down in England. Mm-hmm. There's a religious leader who... In, most difficult part of the mission is to get into Pakistan to get this guy. There's a guy that they meet and in Afghanistan. And his portrayal is one of the reasons why this film is banned in Pakistan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm completely unsurprised that this movie is banned in Pakistan, yeah. considering it considers killing their nationals as a outright good and, you know, breaking international laws and... Doing things that in real life would bring the world to world war. And a lot of the people that help him uh, end up, you know, suffering terrible consequences. And he seems to have no kind of care for the livelihood and the risk that these people are taking. Yeah, I, I guess I'll say that this movie doesn't depict Pakistani people or Syrian people or Afghani people, because he does go to various hotspots across the world in his yeah. vengeance quest. It, these, these are not all shot on the actual location, yeah. unlike our previous films. Uh, here, you know, they had to dress up um, locations in India to, you know, look like a market in Pakistan or to look like a Syrian refugee camp. Yeah, <laughs> I understand about why you wouldn't want to go to Syria right now. Yeah. But it, it does do the expected thing of, you know... Here's some good Pakistani people. Here's some good people living in Syria. Um, well, and Katrina Kaif's character, she's from Pakistan. Um, yeah, it doesn't paint them all. It's just these these assholes that ruined everything. They're, they're the extremists. The actual people of Pakistan and other places are pretty cool when you get to meet them. Which, I mean, you kind of have to do that or you annoy the people of Pakistan even more than you do. But that's not really like the drive of the film. The drive of the film is not, you know, this man goes on a mission and discovers, you know, well, he'd already the made humanity. That movie. That's by Bajan. <laughs> this is the dark counterpart to it where the mission is a lot more violent. Yeah, like morally, I just, I have a huge problem with this film. You know, I've, I've seen it twice now and both times, like, I just, I can't get on board with it. I just, I think, I think it's almost verges on irresponsible to like this this revenge fantasy like it's so fueled out of anger and out of what i think is really like a false sense of justice would you have the same problem had this actually happened like did you have this problem with munich where the israelis track down all the guys who did the black november thing i didn't have this problem with munich and i didn't have this problem with zero dark 30 yes um because those things actually did happen i think those films um are a bit more subtle than i see here in phantom Mm -hmm. um i think you know they have they have more depth They're, they're a bit more complicated about the price that those cultures have had to pay to eradicate these people Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is more on those films' mind. And here, 
I don't think Khan is at all concerned with the price that India would pay if they did send a man to do this. And and that's not like that's 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 very much kind of like a like a moral price. Yeah. You know, to to undergo a mission like this. Like that's the argument that that's the movie corruption. Makes, the argument is that the movie makes is that, that this is Pandora's box and it was already opened by the Americans. Yeah. Which is hard to hard to dispute. I mean, the Americans did start this whole thing. I know. I know. And, and I mean, I, I do think this film is very complicated and I have a very hard time watching it because it just, I think it if you really... have six hours to go, watch this and Bajani Bajan for two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And I, I think, think everyone will co- come down in favor of Bajani Bajan though. I don't know if you need to compare them, but yeah. it's two looks at similar mm-hmm. geopolitical crises, let's say. And yeah. it, it is noticeable to see which one won in the end financially. I mean, Phantom... People like, want to feel good. <laughs> yeah, Phantom did okay, but it didn't do the Bafo box office of Bajani Bajan, which is much you know, friendlier. It, yeah. it, it provides the world as we'd like to see it, but maybe Phantom is the world that, you know... Other people would like to see it, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, this film wasn't based on a true story. It is it is fictionalized. Um, it is based on a book, sort of. So the plot of this film was developed with author S. Hussein Zadi, whose book Mumbai Adventures essentially provides the basis for this film story. Um, I, From what I understand, this is like a Arthur C. Clarke 2001 A Space Odyssey type situation. where Or a Scott Pilgrim. Um, well, let's tell Scott Pilgrim. Like, Scott Pilgrim had already been, like, published, and there had been several volumes released by the time that they started making that movie. Yeah. Whereas, like, Arthur C. Clarke was working on 2001, essentially, with Stanley Kubrick, and, like, at the time of this film's release, I'm not even entirely sure that this book, Mumbai Avengers, was published already. Well, hopefully, then they could sell all the copies. Yeah. I mean, this movie reminds me more of... But just listen to that title, Mumbai Avengers. Like, I mean... Sci-Fi Khan is supposed to be some sort of, like, superhero here. And he basically is. I mean, we haven't yeah. really talked about his performance, but he is essentially Solid Snake Rambo. He's a gruff, take-no-prisoners guy whose heart is melted by Katrina Cave. Um, he lives up in the mountains somewhere and is recruited, much like uh, Solid Snake in, you know, the Metal Gear Solid games. And... Yeah, there's been a lot of references to Metal Gear Solid. It took I mean, me a long wonderful. time to figure out who you were talking about oh, when you yeah. said Solid Snake. But, like, it's <laughs> it's a much less nuanced portrayal of characters than yeah. definitely Cabo Express or even New York. Yeah, but I will say, um, Saifeli Khan's performance didn't do much for me. He's fine. But I think Katrina Cave here is very good. Yeah. I think she does her best work in uh, Act of the Tiger. I think she's awesome in that. Um, also with Kabir Khan. And I'm sure at some point we will sing the praises of Act of the Tiger. It's a movie Matt and I love quite a lot. Um, it's especially weird coming before Phantom because somehow he made a uh, Salman Khan, Katrina Cave uh, action romance into the more positive and nuanced view <laughs> of India and Pakistan. Um, it's very, very interesting. I I can't fault a national cinema for wanting to have revenge on things. To yeah. me, this movie reminds me of something like Death Wish or Dirty Harry, which is a product of its time. Yeah. And 
probably racist, definitely Dirty Harry was, uh, Death Wish, he's mostly just killing black people, mm-hmm. but it, it was reflecting a, a trend in society at that time. People were scared, and this is obviously doing something very similar for uh, India in the wake of these attacks. I think it is important to look at the movie in the context of when it was written. I mean, this seems to me like it would be similar to another movie you had huge moral qualms about, American Sniper, which did huge box office in addition to being based on a real guy. You could see why filmgoers want this sort of thing. And... I don't know if I'm in the position to be making moral statements about what people want to see, what sort of entertainment should be produced. Um, it's it's tricky subject matter, mm-hmm. but I prefer the fact that people would be able to make this sort of thing if they want to rather than not being able to. Yeah, I mean, I certainly fall in favor of, you know, creative expression and, you know, anti-censorship. But personally, I do have moral issues with this film. I do think it is irresponsible. I understand wanting these men to be brought to justice. I would like these men to be brought to justice. I think this is horrible, you know, these attacks. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that this revenge fantasy is the answer. And I do think that a film like this is somewhat irresponsible. I personally just wish it had had more depth and more nuance i wish it had you know taken on this subject matter in a in a different way and and talked more about how difficult it is to get that sense of closure and that sense of justice i mean i guess you get a little bit of rather than this one man killing army yeah you do get a little bit of uh daniel khan's wanting to be liked again by soldiers and kind of his looking for belonging, but there's no sense of these uh, basically murders. We can call mm-hmm. them murders. We don't really see this playing with his psyche at all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really change him. He is a you know stern, jaw clenching hero throughout the film, and and I do want to say that I would fall just as hard on an American film doing this sort of thing. Well, and you hated American Sniper. I did. And that yeah. one even had the. You know, fallback of being based on a real story. Yeah, I. I know, never saw American Sniper. You know, this is not. I'm not presenting any sort of cultural bias. I. I just. It is interesting that there hasn't. Again, this is something we run into with being English language fans of Bollywood. This is the sort of thing that would be courting a lot of controversy, but we haven't really seen any critical examinations of it in the English language press. Yeah, not that I've seen. Like compar- Critics were mixed on it. I yeah. think it mostly got negative reviews. Compared Didn't to... Didn't do super well at the box office. Yeah, compared to the, you know, hand-wringing and comparisons to Inglorious Bastards that, uh, um, that American Sniper brought. I mean, this is closer to Inglorious Bastards, come to think of it. Yeah. It, it is... It's a revenge fantasy where... The people are much, much closer to our time than Nazis. I mean, everyone loves seeing Nazis get killed because they're the worst. Yeah, and that's... These guys, it's a little bit more complicated because they're, you know, attached to the religious structure of the nation. They have unofficial state-sanctioned, you know, go-ahead from the Pakistani government. It's a lot less clear as to 
how these guys, how these terrorists are allowed to do what they were up to. And time is a big factor. You know, these men, some of them are still, you know, living free lives. Some of them have only just been, you know, had to face trial for what they've done mm-hmm. um, with Hitler and the Nazis. That yeah, we know the outcome of that. Those those men have been brought to justice. They have been. So you just don't punished. like you don't like the ambiguity of it. You don't like like I guess the British face a sort similar thing in a lot of other Bollywood movies is that they were the unambiguous villains in something like uh, Veer mm-hmm. or. Uh, the one with Amir Khan, where they're kind of becoming the Indian revolutionaries. Oh, Lagan. No, not Lagan. The Rangli Basali. Uh, oh, Rang de Basanti. Yeah, Rang de Basanti, that one. Where, with the remove of history, we can have British people being outright villains, which mm-hmm. they were. I mean, that's based on reality. The Black Hole of Calcutta, etc. And we don't feel as bad for them getting killed, I guess. Whereas these guys are still around, is that the issue? I don't really feel bad for the guys getting killed, to be perfectly honest. I mean, the, the film doesn't, you know, bring forth any sense of empathy for these men. Um, I just think, you know, that this level of kind of... I think it's unhealthy to deal with um, tragedy and grief in this way in demanding an eye for an eye. Yeah. That's that's what I'm uncomfortable with. I think, I think justice through the lens of revenge is irresponsible and But this is actually happening. Like, yeah. The fact that the Americans did they was with Osama bin Laden, I can see exactly why this movie happened. Yeah. Yeah, and I can see why, you know, this is something that a lot of people probably want to see, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I don't know for some people, yeah. like, this is what they feel is right. It just To me, I feel so strongly that this is a not the way to solve our problems about these global issues. And we, you know, again, since 9-11 and and even before 9-11, like there have been terrorist attacks, you know, for as far back as I can remember, right? Because, you know, there's been violence for as far back as I can remember. Um, But it it hurts hurts me personally. Like I find it hurts that, we haven't found a better way to respond. Sure. But is it the fact that these are real people is what bothers you so much? Because killing terrorists happens constantly in, in Bollywood movies, in it, Hollywood movies. It's the, part of it. But again, I also think like... Even the, at the Tiger, he goes up against, you know, the Pakistani Secret Service. But yeah, there's also a the sort of terrorist element. The sentiment of the film and I think the themes and... And ultimately, the message of the film sits very poorly with me. I but just, maybe that's the idea is what I'm getting at. It, it, it's, it's supposed it to elicit this response. I think we're supposed to see Saifali Khan's character as heroic. We are supposed to see him as heroic, but it's also not kind of tossed off either. Like in, a, in Act the Tiger, for instance, he's you know killing Pakistani guys and having a fun adventure. That's just the same argument through a different lens, right? I don't necessarily think so. And and I do think that... You it know, is weird you for are, Kabir Khan, who has, coming from a place of actually really good empathy and yeah. very good looks at all sides of the conflict, to come to this point, that's very strange. To yeah. To be completely unambiguous, you know, propaganda. Yeah. And I think it is very, very different than Ek the Tiger, you know, where he is trying to... 
He's trying to stop something. He's trying to gather intelligence. You know, yeah, and even his in New mission York, is not to go kill these guys. Exactly. Even New York, yeah. they're trying to stop something. I think this assassination mission, that's the thing that I find really hard to swallow. Yeah. it's Is it closer to the Day of the Jackal or something? You just don't like a movie where the main character is on a mission of murder. Yeah, that's part of it. And I think, you know, again, this is just like, this is so It's a ang- hot button issue. Yeah, this is so angry. This film comes from such a place of anger, and I understand that, but I don't think... How is this compared to the Benghazi movie, which you saw and I didn't? Oh, the Benghazi movie. 14 Days, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Uh, 13 Hours. 13 Hours, Secret yeah. Soldiers I guess it was a bit shorter time frame. Because um, this, to me, seems like a Michael Bay... It does. Let's go out there and kick these guys' asses. It does, movie. and I don't like those movies either. Like, yeah. I, I also find them morally corrupt, so... Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm consistent, if anything. You do have a lot of moral qualms with things. But you know what? In general, I have more moral qualms than you. It's not in your nature to have moral qualms with things, Matt. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that's just the way I'm wired. And and I think we're really at a standstill about this film. Um, I mean, I don't love this movie either. I just don't think it's as toxic as you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, again, I, I wouldn't want to censor these kinds of opinions. I just... You know, personally was surprised that this came from Kabir Khan, who is a filmmaker that I thought had a lot more depth than this film shows. And I I still think he has more depth than this film shows. I I don't think a great filmmaker is going to be brought down by one film that seems inconsistent to me. This is a work for a higher job. Maybe. He's he's making some money. The next one's going to be for him. And compared to Bajani Bajan, which he also made this year. Last um, year. last, Last year, yeah. Like... It turns out that the market didn't really want the revenge fantasy. It wanted a coming together and happy story. Yeah, I, I at least feel, you know, somewhat uplifted that Bajrani Bajan, the film about, you know, overcoming differences, yeah. is, you know, a lot more popular than this one. That's for sure. That that gives me with a sense of hope. Yeah, and I'm very interested to see what Kaber Khan does next. I mean, all of his movies have at least been interesting and on the whole pretty decent. Yeah. I, I mean... I didn't love Phantom either, but it was a well-put-together movie. So of these three films, Matt, which one would you most recommend to people? I would definitely recommend Cabo Express. Yeah, me too. I think the melding of the classic Bollywood, uh, you know, people going to university and making friends story with 9-11 is a bit harder to swallow. It was a bit clunkier. I preferred less of that or more of it, like... It could have been a three idiots type situation where the the eventual meeting with your friend is the goal, rather and remembering all the things that they did in school. Mm-hmm. Maybe that would be the ultimate, you know, end of the movie as opposed to one quarter school days fun, one quarter international mystery, one quarter family drama. It's um, it's a little bit clunky. I do think it. it I mean, on the whole, it's decent though. It's I yeah. Wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anyone not to watch New York if they. If they like the actors involved, that kind of thing, it's it's pretty good. I, Cobble Express is excellent. Yeah, I really liked Cobble Express. It's the film out of the three of these that uh, really impressed me the most. I actually would caution people against watching Fandom, though. I, you know, if if this level of kind of, you know, badass revenge fantasy doesn't sound like it's for you, then I I would say skip it. I, I don't think there is much here, unfortunately. Yeah, it's not it's not an Inglorious Bastards where it is yeah. an artwork by. He is. I would call this guy an auteur, but it's not like him. 
he's not a outright cineast type guy. He's he's a guy who keeps making movies about similar topics over and over again. And Phantom is divorced from his subject material. Is not interesting enough to watch mm-hmm. um, unless you have a stake in the game. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, the the performances are not amazing. The action's not over the top enough. It's not. It doesn't have the Michael Bay sheen of being over the top and crazy. No, it's it's just okay. And there are some other films dealing with the twenty six eleven Mumbai attacks um, that have other things to say, different things to say that we'll be, we will that we will be looking at in the future, mm-hmm. um, but not in our next episode, Matt. What can people look forward to in our next episode in our next episode we're going to have another guest mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this one we've been hoping to have him on for a while his name is danny bows 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 i'm not sure which he prefers to uh use in his name pronunciation i prefer bows he might like bows guess we'll find out one of the many <laughs> mysteries but you're he, not related no we're not related yeah. uh we met via twitter and he is a film critic living in the states who reviews bollywood movies and, yeah, one of our favorite English language uh, commentators on Bollywood cinema. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, his reviews, he's the one that drove me towards Veer, for instance. His, yes. His gleeful enjoyment of that movie's abandoning of a lot of quote-unquote good movie tropes is what led us towards a messy but fun film. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about a few of the movies that got him into Bollywood. And uh, what it's like to review them in the States, what it's like to see them in the States. And as another, you know, white person, what it's like to interact with this art form um, as he is, right? Yeah, we're really looking forward to welcoming Danny Bose to the show next episode. Yeah. Um, But in the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can check out our Tumblr, bollywoodisforlovers.tumblr.com. You can check us out on Twitter. At Bollywood Pod, you could find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Bose. I'm at Aaron E Fraser E R N E F R A S E R. You can also check us out on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We have some discussions there. We always enjoy talking to listeners there. You can suggest, uh, you know, episode uh, ideas to us there or on Twitter. Uh, we also really appreciate it when we get reviews on our iTunes mm-hmm. page. Um, those move us up the rankings of film podcasts, of which there are many. And get Bollywood movies more in the conversation in general. If more people listen to us and more people ask us questions or want us to look at various movies, we'll watch anything. So um, we love a good conversation about movies. So a rate and review would be awesome or just talk to us in any of the platforms. Yes, and we will be back in two weeks with another episode. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) 